Hi, beauties. This is the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so grateful to have you part of the conversation. Hey, beauties. Episode six is with Robin Clark. From the moment I found Robin on Instagram, I was determined to get her on my show so I could learn from her and I could share her with all of you. Robin is a coach, advocate, and photographer for women. She is helping women get free from the codependent good girl conditioning that has us looking for security in others instead of inside of ourselves, which if you know me, I love because I firmly believe we already have all of the answers within. I have loved following Robin and chatting with her. I have learned so much and continue to learn as I read her posts and I listen to her videos. I hope you learn and you embody all of the things we chat about in this episode. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am super excited for today's guest. Her name is Robin Clark, and I met her on the gram. Um, I found her, and I just loved everything that she is putting out. She is really helping us rewire the conditioning of the programming we get to being a good girl. She is helping women rise against that. And, you know, I feel like we're very gaslit as a gender. We're told to be nice, be good, look good, be quiet. So she's helping us find our voices and to live authentically. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much, Robin, for being here. How are you? Um, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad Instagram connected us. It's really, um, you know, social media gets a lot of flack, but honestly, moments like this make everything worth it. Yes. And I stalked you a little bit. (laughs) You guys, I legit stalked Robin. I was like, you will be on my show and we will be friends. (laughs) You did hunt me down. It's true. And when I didn't reply to your email, you were like, no girl, here's a gun. Mm -hmm. You're going to reply. You're doing this. (laughs) And then I was like commenting on her post, like, hello, I sent you an email. You didn't Mm -hmm. respond yet. So, so we did a pre kind of chat and we had such a good conversation. So I'm excited to get into this. So I would love for you to start out. I would love just share with us what you do, why you do it, kind of your journey a little bit to, I feel like you're pretty niche with the good girl um, and breaking down the patriarchy system. So give us, give us the goods on that. Okay. What I do is I work as a coach, also a photographer, but for this, we're going to talk about coaching more to help women get free from all this limiting conditioning about what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a girl, what it is to be a lovable, good girl. Um, Mm. um, God, the messages are so deep, uh, essentially around speaking, bringing our authentic selves forward, both with our words and our actions and our self-expression. And that is not what girls are taught to do. We're taught to put others first and be who they are comfortable with us being. No one ever really sits down and explains that to you exactly, but you're taught in so many ways through modeling how your parents are with each other and then how they treat you, you know, what is praised and what is not, and also what gets punished and what is not. 
you learn yeah. really quickly that if I want love and approval, which is what makes me feel secure, like it's a core need that I need to be who these people are comfortable with me being. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So you're really always being who the other people want you to be. So you really lose yourself. You really lose yourself. I mean, how many women do you know that are like, why don't I know what I want? You know, that person didn't treat me well. I don't, why can't I steep, you know, I can tell you about it, but I can't tell them to stop. Yeah. Or like, well, what will they think? Well, I might like to wear this, but no, it's too much. You know, like that entire way of thinking is the legacy of being a little girl in a home, in a culture, in a school, whatever. That's saying to you, if you want our praise, love, and approval, and a sense of belonging, then you're going to adhere to our values around who you're supposed to be. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and it's music, it's movies, it's our we families. See it in the, yep. If we go to our friend's house, we see it at their house. We go to school. Our mothers. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get into that. <laughs> oh yes, we are girl. But it's like a 360 degree message that's coming from you. Like conform, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you go? Why are you so passionate about the good girl patriarchy system? Like why, where does that come from? Oh girl. Okay. So I'm sure there's a story there. (laughs) Yeah. So I grew up in a family where, first of all, I'm an only child, so I'm not dealing with sibling dynamic. Um, Where my mother is like mentally a feminist, but in practice, my parents live like the 1950s, you know, dad makes the money, mom cooks and keeps the house nice. We all wait for dinner till he gets back and like has had a drink and like we eat late and Mm. um, everyone needs to look nice and everything's just so, and it's it's just so, you know, it's just so, Yeah, it's kind of like if Martha Stewart and Bob Vila, you know, like we're together, like I grew up in this sort of environment, like everything's just so right. Mm -hmm. You know, everything needs to look perfect. Oh, and it did. Mm Mm-hmm. And in a way that's really a gift, you know, there's a lot to be said for having creature comforts and um, beauty and consistency and, you know, knowing when dinner's happening and all that. Yeah. With this whole thing that looked very nice, there was this suffocation happening. And I remember, um, you know, fighting with my mom in dressing rooms about what am I going to wear? You know, she'd let me wear some things I want. And then she's like, you put this on for me you know, like totally, so I can kind of roll you out like this doll that's going to perform my image of of what I think a daughter and hence who I am as a mother should be. Wow. Um, Yeah. I see that a lot because I have a seven-year-old. I see that all the time. Yeah. I mean, being in dressing rooms, watching moms and daughters, it's just this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, and what, how to speak and what can be said and what emotions are allowed to be felt. Like yeah. I could be frustrated, but not angry. I could say yeah. no, but I wouldn't necessarily have the no be honored. You know, there's okay. just a million different ways of like, you can be here, but only to a point. Huh? So you, know you felt I mean? the training even from a young age. Yes. And unlike a lot of people that kind of idealize their childhood experience, it was training crazy 
it was like, wait, that's so wild. Cause I yeah. didn't learn that I had that conditioning done to me till I was in therapy later. And I re- I remember the therapist that was like, well, you've been trained to be a good girl. And I'm right. like, what is, what does that mean? You know? So you felt it young. Yeah. I mean, no wonder why you're doing what you're doing. It's almost a yes. calling, right? It kind of does feel like an ordination. Not that I would I have said like it at the time, but it's like that level of drive, you know? Yep. I can feel one that. Of, one of my highlight moments from my early, just my early childhood that makes me really remember how much this bothered me was I was born in 77. So in the late eighties, when appetite me for too. destruction came out, Guns and Roses. I mean, yep. I would turn that on in my room, like a full tilt and jump on my bed and scream. <laughs> you know, just like, ah, you know, like I didn't have an outlet to get anger out, but it gave me it was like therapy. Totally. Oh my <laughs> God. What the, they were some talking of this... about, but it was the energy, you know? Yep. I would listen to some songs too. And my mom would come in my room and be like, this is a drug song. And I was like, I don't even know what drugs are yet. <laughs> right. You don't know. It's just the energy, right? Yep. And someone's yep. being mad. Um, ditto, I think NWA straight out of Compton. Like, yeah. I think those admirals came at the same time. And why I think that's why I'm bringing it up is that I was about 10. So it's letting me know that at that age, I was already like, mm, yeah. Like, oh my God. You know, trying to find a way to um, use your release voice. some steam. No. Yep. I was not a passive kid. I definitely stood up for myself a lot, but one of the guiding messages I received that many girls receive is you can speak, but you won't be heard. Hmm. And yeah. we can deal with that once in a while, but when that's an ongoing dynamic, it's really, yeah. really, um, like suffocating. Yeah. I was going to, it's like repressive, suffocating, yeah. burdening, you know? and that's where girls rage comes from Mm. where we're like how many times am I gonna get commanded to like abandon my true self to be who you want and then get praised for that meanwhile I'm boiling with resentment and if I tell you that I'm mad you shame me and say I should be grateful yep you know it's like this crazy gaslighting that goes on yeah I mean I have friends that tell me as soon as the garage door opens and they hear their husband coming home from work, their anxiety and their blood just starts boiling. I'm like, why? Because they're just, I think they're resentful that they like play the role or they're who I'm thinking in my mind is very in a very like 1950s situation. You know, he does the, he does the working, she does all the household chores and all the, the kid stuff. Well, that's the um, template, right? I mean, that's the template we're all given. And if you do something different, it's because you're choosing to deviate from it or your parents broke it down. And then so you're, you internalized a little less of it. Yeah. But the thing you just described, like is the relationship template. Yes. And we all know the roles. You don't have to really argue about it. You don't have to figure anything out. We all know the program. Yep. It's, yep. A, it's like this perfect division of labor, except it's not. It's not. Yeah. Well, at least it's not for everyone. Some people like it, but for those that don't, they really don't, you know? Yep. Yep. Okay. So let's, why don't we, um, explain in your terms, what a good girl is. We talked about it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. like, so let's give it a really good definition for everyone. I think a good girl is 
synonymous with nice woman, you know, mm-hmm. same thing, just different age group yep. would be pleasing and pretty and kind and helpful and agreeable and smart, but not too smart, you know, successful, but not more successful than other people attractive, mm. but not sexy, um, makes money, but not, you know, maybe if she makes money, she makes money, but definitely not more than her man. You know, she yep. like lives in this very constrained, pleasant, pretty, non-threatening, very important. Non-threatening is very important. Non-threatening, yep. very important. Um, sort of middle road where you're never not enough and you're not too much. And you just stay in there making sure that you're centering other people's comfort and giving them the pleasant experience that they want to have. And if you do that, then they will praise you and then you will feel secure. Yeah. So they'll praise you for being a good girl or a nice woman. Mm -hmm. And then you will feel secure from this training you've gotten from when you were little. Right. That's conditional security. It's not real security. It's a transaction. But if you play this role and that affirms their idea about you, then you can have this transactional kind of security. Okay. Another thing I want to say about good girl is that it exists to prop up other people. You know, patriarchy works on a hierarchy. There's always someone above and someone below. And for men to have the experience of being above, there needs to be a below, you know? Yeah. And so if women are you know, successful, but not too successful, interesting, but not confrontational, um, pleasant, but not, you know, challenging, attractive, but not too sexual, like not demanding, yeah. needless, wantless, just sort of this pleasant thing. Easy. This is very idealistic, easy going, right? Yeah. Easy going. Then someone else gets to be above. Someone else is making the choices. Someone else decides when it's time to move. Someone else's career gets to advance. Someone else sets the tone of the house. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so if women aren't playing that role, then men don't get to be one up. They you know, would actually, there would be equality. Yeah. You know, Cause as women won't play that role, they rise up and now we're in a very different dynamic. And of course, I think that's what the goal of healthy relating is, but patriarchy disagrees and <laughs> makes that the goal is this hierarchy. Right. And so that's a really important thing about good girl. What is the purpose that it serves and that both as girls propping up parents, but then as women later on propping up men and the system of patriarchy, that's the goal. So say that again about the children propping up the parents. Well, yeah, I don't understand that one. Well, we haven't talked about how kids get conditioned yet. Okay. Okay. Wait. Right. So before we, before we go into that, cause I think that's going to be a, a chunk, I want to circle back. So I don't forget. You said something yeah. interesting about the good girl transaction and how it's right. conditional. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah. <clears throat> I think we all have this felt sense of it. It's the feeling of when you know something isn't right, someone's not treating you right, but you're scared to tell them no, because you're afraid to lose the security that having them in your life gives you. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So it's that on a much like deeper core level, how we get trained with our parents 
Yeah. Our parents, it's our most primary attachment need. If we are who they want us to be, then the love and security and belonging that we desperately need, then they'll give it to us. But it's based on if, if it just happens to work out that our authentic self is exactly who they want, then we don't have to self-abandon to get any of it. But the reality is, is no one's actually a good girl. You know, we're all coloring way outside the lines of that. So whatever parts of us don't fit our parents' idea of that, we're going to have to put on a shelf. Yeah. So the transaction is, is I'll silence part of myself, disown it even to be who you want. So I can get the love and belonging and security that I really need. Yeah. There's, um, I, we can, we'll probably get into this later, but a huge codependency part of this. Oh yeah. I mean, this is the training ground for that. I would almost say that codependency and female gender socialization are almost synonyms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be a teensy bit of differentiation, but it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So tell us how we get trained to be good girls. Well, I think it happens in a, a couple different ways. One is the way our mothers have embodied it and not done their work yet to like free themselves from it. So it's just role modeling, Mm, right? Yeah. How they're like, Oh, I can't leave without my lipstick or, you know, what will the neighbors think? Well, I can't wear that or it's too much. Well, this is how it's supposed to be. And you know, the way you hear your mom bitch about what's happening with your dad to her friends on the phone, but when your dad's there, how she poker faces it, Mm. maybe they're having fights and they're saying the real deal when you're not watching, but maybe not, you know, or, or the way that she gets you to perform a certain role so she can look like the kind of mom she wants to be seen as, mm, you know, wow. there's yeah. so many ways that say your mom is just embodying the conditioning she inherited. Yep. And so you're role modeling, you know, I'm sure you've seen like a kid walking with their parent at, and then you watch them walk and the dad walks with their right foot out and the kid walks with their right foot out. Yeah. The kids are very like silly putty. We're really taking in the modeling. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's one way. Another Mm -hmm. is the relational dynamic with the parents. Okay. Like the power dynamic. Who makes the choices? Who sets the tone? Who is the one that compromises themselves to make things work? Um, How are problems resolved? Who makes the money? Who deals with the house? How do they feel about those roles? Because you do get a sense of how they feel about it. Some yeah. people love that. Some people really don't. Yeah. Well, if you see your mom making, doing all the house stuff and she hates it and you're, and they can't figure out, you're learning like, oh, if I want relationship, I just have to do what I have to do. You know, you're learning this modeling. Yeah. Or they do the opposite, I guess. Completely. They say, I don't want to end up like my mom. You can say that, and I certainly did, but it doesn't matter. It absorbs in there, right? Uh, You can be as rebellious as you want, but the conditioning goes in. Yeah. Right? So that's one is just watching your mom. Two is the relational dynamic. And then three is how each of them are treating you. Okay. You know, they're direct parenting. You could be hanging out with either one of your parents. And it's what gets praised, what gets reinforced what gets punished what gets when do you get ignored when do you get diminished you know like 
do you get praised for wearing like pink and putting ribbons in your hair? Oh, you look so pretty. Let's take a photo. But if you like crimped your hair and you're wearing, in my case, as a kid, like MC Hammer pants. Yep. Yep. Love those. <laughs> How'd that go? It was fine in my house, but it might not have been fine for someone else. Right. Yeah. They might've gotten like, oh, well, you can't be in the photo till you go upstairs and change, you know, uh, like, yeah. you know, or like parents being really intrusive and crossing kids' boundaries, going through stuff in their room, demanding they tell them, you know, the kids speak about something they don't want to, or in front of other parents that they don't want to, or, and they insist, you know, and the kids get mad. And then, cause it's natural anger saying like, Hey, you're crossing my boundaries, but parents not being able to say, Oh, I need to back off instead and shaming the kid. Huh? The girl yeah. and being like, you're supposed to give me what I want when I want, you don't get to say no to me. Um, who are you to be angry? I do so much for you. Ooh, you're yeah. selfish don't be selfish. You should be grateful. And all the kid is, you know, daughter, give me, I'm saying kid because it's gender neutral. Any child's going to do this. Yeah. Um, Where they're kind of saying like, Hey, you're being intrusive and parents really not getting, Oh, the anger is because I'm the one out of line here. Like they don't have the maturity or like growth oriented mindset enough to like see their part. Instead, they just want to silence the girl. Right. Yeah. So they're basically not letting the child be authentic. Yeah. yeah. And they're teaching. We'll go back to talking about girls specifically. They're teaching you. I will love you. If you keep your mouth shut, like Mm. be silent. Don't speak up for yourself. If you want my love, you will not challenge me. And how many girls grow up to be women who cannot stand up for themselves. Totally. I was one of them for sure. Right. hundred percent. And how'd you learn it? Right. How do you learn that like someone can treat you badly and you can't say no and be heard? Yeah. It's funny because, you know, at first thought I would think, God, my mom was kind of feisty, but at the same time she had so much healing to do that she didn't do. So the self-esteem part, definitely. I got right and it's often like that with parents and any of us you know the word yeah. mixed bag we have areas yeah. where we're really um much more mature and actualized and other parts that are much younger and shadowy you know like we're all a sort of compilation of things right yep do you think the conditioning of um the beauty ideal starts really early with girls being trained to be good girls? You know, I think different families handle it differently. I have, I've done a lot of investigating around this and I think the majority is like, yes, some women, I think get more of like, you should be smart. The family has more of a value around that, or they have more of a value around like athletics or they have a value around success. Yes. Like being the best, being the valedictorian, that kind of thing. But I think in general, it's a fair assumption to make that how you look is very much part of the performance of being a good girl mm-hmm. and very much part of the performance of being a good family. Yes. Yes. You know I, mean? I love how you said that. That's so true. How you look is very much the performance of being a good girl. Yeah. I'm going to tell you so, a funny story just about this. Okay. Okay. 
you know, uh, I was in my early twenties and I was in New York visiting there for the summer. My parents came to visit. They're out to lunch in the East village with my guy friends. And in the middle of dinner, my mom shouts out unprompted. Nobody's going to marry you. If you keep wearing your eyeliner like that. (laughs) And my two guy friends and my dad and I turn around and we're like, and just no one said anything. Right. And I talked to her about it later. And she was like, it was my realization that all this while this person I had been trying to tame is actually you. Aww, right? Yeah. Here yeah. we are 20 plus liters. I'm still wearing my eyeliner like that. I love your yeah. eyeliner. Thanks. <laughs> but it's not Ann Taylor. It's not the vision of like yep. the woman she had. Right. Yep. And how she wanted me to be that she thought would give me success <clears throat> and love and approval and in the value system that she resonated with. Yeah. It comes from fear. A lot of times their fear. Yeah. So I'm just using it as an example that, you know, whoever's listening to this can think about your own, like what did your mom or father or whoever is raising you say that gave you the message that looking a certain way was also integral to receiving love and approval. Yep. And getting married. Yeah. And if, and then if you colored outside those lines, you're now going to be like fringe and possibly alone, which is not true, but that's the thinking. Okay. So you get trained to be a good girl. What does this look like as an adult? Well, I can tell you both from working with women and I can tell you at my own lived experience that a little bit like what you were saying, where your mom was both feisty. And then this other part that felt like less of a sense of self. Yeah. There's often this mix where someone is accomplished and um, has success in a certain part of their life, whether it's work or fitness or home or friends. But then there's this other part where they do not know how to speak up for themselves. They don't know how mm. to set boundaries. They don't know what healthy and unhealthy behavior is and how to draw a line with what is unhealthy yeah. and move away from situations and people that are not embodying healthful behavior. Yes. Um, God, I was definitely trained to be a good girl. I what worked makes on you a say bound- that? Cause I boundaries. just, I mean, I really had to learn boundaries as I got older. Yeah. I was like, said yes to everything. I was there for everyone. And to the point where when I started doing pretty intense therapy, I realized that when I said no, how disappointed my friends were because they were used to me just saying yes to them. And it went into my, not just my romantic relationships, but my friendships, my work, everything. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're doing the same pattern anywhere we go. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not like you are alone in some little bubble of patriarchy. Patriarchy is like this big system that we're all in. And so here you are a young woman going out in the world and I'm just referring to your example, but this is to everyone. You're a young woman going out in the world. You're a maiden, right? You're not a child, but you're not like an adult woman yet. You know? Yeah. You're a maiden. So you're in the space of discovery and openness and trying things. And there's an innocence, like a naivete, because you just don't know what it is to be out in the world yet. You don't know how the world works yet. And in some ways I feel like our parents have to shelter us from it, or it would just be too overwhelming. Yeah. Some things you just have to learn on your own, but 
without this clear set of what is healthy and what is not and how to stick up for yourself and how to say no and how to hold yourself well and how to have like an appropriate support system. It's much harder. You go out in the world and everyone around you expects you to be who they want you to be. Like everyone's in on it. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's not just at home, it's everywhere, you know? So you in the modeling world, I can only imagine what was happening, you know, but it's true in every business. All the women I work with that are in the tech industry, same thing. Same thing, huh? Everyone wants the, you know, young gish woman to be who they want to be non-challenging, grateful that they're getting paid $40,000 a year. Yes. in their male counterparts, you know, like it's just, it's everywhere. It's gross. Gross. (laughs) It's so gross. So, you know, the effect is that women go out into the world and they don't even know necessarily that they're being treated poorly. They don't know it can be better. They don't know how to create stability for themselves yet. And I think that process, I mean, you are lucky if it happens early. And I feel um, hope for future generations that people are going to get this much earlier because their parents have gotten it already. Yeah. But in my observation, it's often something that happens from like 35 to 45. Yeah. Like it's something about that time frame. You know, people talk about the biological clock, but I think there's another clock and there's this clock of like your authentic self. That's like, we have got to grow up. You know, it's time to get these skills. It's stop, stop allowing certain things in your life. Stop letting people treat you this way. Stop accepting low pay. Stop yeah friends that are draining you these one-sided relationships you know like no well and it's funny because then it's even between girlfriends you almost accept expect each other to be like the good girl to each other does that make sense yeah what do you mean like what's your when you say that like what's your um like you don't want to you know you feel bad saying no to your friend yeah it doesn't matter who you're doing it with you're gonna do it anywhere I mean, from 35 till I believe 45 in a couple of months, it isn't just that I went through a clearing process with dating, though it was that also, it was also with my family and it has also been with all of my friends and yeah. many of the people that were in my life are not anymore. Um, yeah. No shade to them. It's just that, you know, our needs diverged you know? Yep. And, and maybe each of our ability to get honest about what our needs were, we realized like, Hey, this isn't actually a fit anymore. Yep. And okay. You know, and I yep. think, so one of the ways that we evolve from good girl is the ability to stop abandoning ourselves to keep people around and make our attachment to ourselves strong enough that we can actually move people out of our life when we need to. And not feel like our life is over. It just feels like, well, I'm choosing myself. Yeah. But from a good girl perspective, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like not that you're moving someone out of your life, but almost that you're like cutting off a part of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you're letting them down. Right. There's this really awesome quote I repeat endlessly on my Instagram from Audrey Lord that um, we become strong by doing the things we need to become strong for. Mm, what does that mean to you? Well, in this case, it means you're not going to feel strong sticking up for yourself, asking for what you need, telling someone they hurt your feelings, 
saying, hey, I want to talk about our relationship. Can you meet me more? Like, you're not going to necessarily feel strong going into that if you've been trained not to do those things. But it's through doing that, that you become stronger. It's like a muscle and you flex it. And I think that's the difference between like 35 to 45. 35, the muscle's not strong. Maybe you have it a little enough to know that you should do these things. By 45, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that happened. Let's talk about it. Let's you know, create resolution. That's why you'll hear, um, women say, you know, the, my forties were, I felt the most confident. And then my fifties, I felt even more confident than I, you know, I thought it was, I had it in my forties and then I turned 50. That's so yeah. interesting. Um, my therapist always says to me when I have to say, do the thing, like you're saying, like you do yep. the action of sorry, no, I can't do that. And then I come to her and I'm like, oh, I feel so bad, you know? And she's like, okay, now you have to bear the burden of the guilt. Because if you can just push through and bear the burden of the guilt and remind yourself that mm-hmm. you're taking care of what you need and you're being self-loving to yourself, then that muscle will get stronger. It's true. And yeah, you feel a lot less guilty. Yes. I mean, the like, next time you feel a lot less exactly. guilty. So this is what I mean. Like you get strong by doing the things you need to be strong for. Yes. I love that. It, it takes a while. It's not easy at first. And I think that there's levels, you know, you may get skillful and a sense of ease in a certain dimension of self-advocacy. And then something else happens, you know, a totally different dimension of your life pops up and you're like, cool, you know, this muscle yes. doesn't easily transfer. Okay. I got to yeah. rebuild it this way, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So how do you see this impact us in our personal relationship with ourselves? I feel how we treat ourselves. The biggest things I notice about the legacy of good girl in terms of personal relationship is women not knowing what they want, mm. not knowing what they need, not knowing how to move their lives forward. Wow hoping that relationship will give them some definition. Yep. You know, um, relying on that. Yep. Relying on that, um, feeling of, and a feeling of being unheld, like, like I really feel like the lines of women have been broken on purpose by patriarchy. You know, there's long, long, long ago histories of a more matriarchal approach to living that was yeah. very systematically cut off. And then uh. through repeated long-term strategic collective trauma, the whole thing turned around into patriarchy. When was that? Do you want to tell us about that? Or is that like a whole thing? Let's leave it alone. Yeah. My, okay. my brain doesn't, it's like, I'm be like the worst history teacher. <laughs> Okay. Like everything about dates and names is bad. I, oh my God, me too. It's terrible. (laughs) Let's talk about feelings and emotions all day, but yeah, I can't remember how old I am sometimes. Yeah. I actually (laughs) remember reading about it in an Eckhart Tolle book. He was talking about how the systematic destruction of the feminine. And I, then I went and poked Mm. around online. I was reading about like the crusades and I was like, oh my God, it was all strategic. It wasn't like loosey goosey. It was very like, okay, if we do this for a certain number of decades or centuries, then people will be traumatized enough that they'll accept patriarchy and 
wow. we can run the show. Yeah. So somewhere way back in all of our um, histories are women that can speak up just fine. <clears throat> and hopefully it's not too far back in our lines, but it may be. So it's been for a long, 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 long time that there's these generations of women that are truly dependent, you know, like financially, the, truly dependent. Yes. You know, on like, the patriarchy system. Yeah. And that if women make money, it goes to their husband. You know, if yeah. he dies, the land goes to his family. Yeah. You know, it, this isn't that long ago. Totally. In fact, I, mean, I don't even think women could get credit cards until 1979. No, I mean, just think about like the date of when we could vote. I mean, right. it's not that long ago. It's crazy. I don't think women could wear pants in the Senate till the 90s. No. I don't know. They, I remember reading something crazy like that. I could be totally wrong, but I No, did, I bet you you're I was right. like, what? Mm-hmm. So feel free. Like, to do, show like, up, be a good girl, make sure you're dressed appropriately. Yeah, and be okay that you're underrepresented and be grateful that you're even here. Yep. Also dress nice. Don't be authoritative. And if you do, you're going to be a bitch and gaslit and voted out. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, so when you're like, how does it affect women's sense of self? It's like, it's so new that women can even, you know, have credit, you know, and women of color, it's like even worse. You know, it's like have credit, buy a house, have a credit card. My mom told me in the seventies, she couldn't even get a library card without her dad signing for her. It's like, are you kidding? So it's so new that we even have these choices, right? Where a woman's like, I don't need a partner to feel fulfilled. I can get a job and I can do my personal work and I'm going to become self-actualized. And then I want to have a partner I actually feel met by. Also, I'm not going to do do all this domestic work. We're going to share everything. And I have the money and the oomph to back that up. And if you can't meet that, then we're not moving forward. Yep. Okay, women's ability to really do that is new. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking um, just how just recently people aren't taking their partner's last names. Right. I feel like our generation started sort of saying, okay, I'm going to hyphen it. But now people are like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do it. I don't think it's super common yet, but I'm telling you, changing your last name is a whole thing. (laughs) <laughs> what was it like for you? It's just, I mean, just recently because we moved states mm-hmm. and I was trying to get my driver's license in this state and my social security card had my maiden name. I mean, it took me months, months, four times going to the DMV. They're just like, sorry. I'm like, why did I change my name? <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah. And, there, and there's something so deeply patriarchal in that, that your name and your legacy ceases to exist so that someone yeah. else can be centered. And that's what passed on is passed on. Yeah. In a way it's like beautiful when you're in love and you're with someone you feel really just grateful to be with. It feels like, Oh, this is like, I want to create a kind of bonding and a recognition in the name. Right. Yeah. But that it's not just as common that a man would leave his name and choose the woman's or that they would just create their own name. Yeah. Or like create like, like a hyphen. Yep. It's just that that's the expectation. Right. And of course that might be the right choice for people. But, but like yeah. you said, it's the expectation. Okay. So 
the good girl conditioning, how do you see it? We talked about the personal relationship. How do you see it affecting us in our romantic relationships? Yeah, it's a huge, hugely impacts. Okay. So if you think about patriarchal gender conditioning, um, we're just going to be use the binary here because that's the binary is an expression of patriarchy. So boy, girl, no other choice. You know, that starts yeah. breaking down this polarity yeah. that's been created. Yep. Yep. So if you, if you imagine a whole person where, you know, vulnerable and aggressive and beauty oriented and jealous and sad and angry and everything, you know, everyone's everything to all their own expression of it, right. With their own natural gifts, the patriarchy is like, no, no, you're not going to be a whole person here. Let's slice this thing in half. So girls, you can be um, everything emotive and intuitive and caring and nurturing, but you can't be assertive and you can't be angry. Mm, yeah. So it's like women have their animus or their active initiating force muted, if not yeah. just disowned, right? But it's just the opposite for boys, where the same thing they come in whole. And there's lots of studies where actually boys are more sensitive than girls and more Aww. emotionally oriented, right? Aww. I know it's very sweet and also very sad considering what comes next, which is slice. Okay. You can be aggressive and driven and speak up and raise your hand and be pushy. And, but you can't be like soft, vulnerable, have needs. You can't be Ugh. revealing of any part of that. So here, yeah, don't do that. they have their own conditioning, which is, I honestly think worse than what's done to women. Wow, it is really? so intense. I mean, I think what's done to women is so intense that I've dedicated my life, my own personal life and my work life to focusing on helping women, helping myself rebuild and helping women rebuild. Yeah. But when I look across the aisle at what boys experience, it's like, it's so intense. They're so sweet. I'm thinking of my nephews. Mm -hmm. They're so little. Exactly. So if you get into a relationship with one person who can be the feminine, but not the masculine, and I don't actually love these terms, but it's just the patriarchal way of polarizing this, you know, be feminine and nurturing and caring and domestic and beauty oriented, soft and emotive And someone else who's like, yeah, I'm not allowed to be any of that, but I can be like driven and move my career forward and assertive and go out into the world. And, but don't talk about my feelings. Well, yeah. you don't have like two holes. You have two people that are some version of half now in a relationship. And mm-hmm. as we all know, um, this creates huge issues because it's not a meeting. It's a codependency. Uh, where men become emotionally dependent because they're jammed up and disconnected. And it's maybe their partner's the only person in their life they can be real with. So they become a very emotionally dependent, even if they themselves are very jammed up, this might be the only tender place they have in their whole life because they can't be anything tender with other men. Yeah, of course they can, but patriarchy is like, no, you can't. And then women are like, well, I don't know how to move my own life forward. I don't really have money. I don't really know who I am from day one. I was told to be a wife and a mother. And I've always wanted to do that. I think so he came along and I'll do that. And I'll do everything to emotionally support this relationship. But meanwhile, I'm financially dependent. 
Yep. And, and on some levels, both people are dependent for a level of like a fuller identity. Yeah. And it creates this huge entangling codependence. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Totally. Yeah. The difference is that, you know, we're on year a hundred plus of the women's movement. So at this point, women are like, okay, well, I can move my life forward a little better than the previous generation as a matter of fact. And I don't really want to be your therapist. I want to feel met. I want a partner that's yeah. like self-reflective, who's like trying to get less jammed up, who wants to really connect. Yeah. Men are on like year one of the men's movement. <laughs> they're like, they're like, yeah, I'll go to therapy, like maybe, but maybe I don't need not that. actually. Like I'm fine, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And so there's this huge tension around what relationship even is there's like a reimagining of what that is and i think women have a different idea of what they want than what men do and yet as much as women can say they want something different most women i know get very much pulled into the traditional patriarchal relationship template and they hate it frustrates mm-hmm. them but they just don't know how to do something different yet yeah they don't have the oomph to be like no you know yep. and especially really get if their they partner have kids. on board with something new especially if they have kids, it gets much more intense. It's true. Yep. So I would say that's how it affects relationships in my observation. And it creates a lot of frustration for people. Yeah, totally. Do you feel like a lot of women come to you with that frustration? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I would bet 80% of the women that come to me, it's either because of that frustration or a breakup or something Mm. around relationship where they're like, I need, and the question, regardless of where they are in the relationship is like, I need to learn how to do this differently. I know there's a different way. I sometimes see people who are doing differently, but I, I don't know what I don't know. What do I need to know so I can learn how to do this differently? And do you, maybe this is another episode, but do you deal with a lot of narcissists because of the sort of like divide in the relationship? Well, interestingly, um, I don't in my practice, honestly, what I end up hearing women talk about is just men who are very patriarchal, even if Mm. they're like a cool dude, right? Yeah. They're like, they're a cool dude, whether they're like, you know, that I mean that in like how they dress or their attitude, or they're like a golden boy. They're like such a nice guy. But when you strip off the exterior, what you have underneath is a guy who's emotionally disconnected from himself, lost, dependent, entitled, and walled off. I never thought of all that. Wow. Right. And so, so that comes across like narcissistic, but that's patriarchy. Yep. Yes. Narcissism like NPD is a whole other game. Yep. Yep. I just like saw it. Like I just, it just clicked for me when you said that. Yeah. The presentations are relevant, whether they're like the successful guy, they're the golden boy, they're the man child, they're the cool dude. They're like, they're funny. Yeah. Party guy. Yeah. Once you strip off the mask and you deal with interior, the interior is a, a, a little boy who's in a ton of pain, has no tools, is really disconnected and has very poor behavior skills. Wow. Yeah. And has been shamed that going to get help is unmanly and none of their friends are. And they just expect you to come and kind of like take care of them. Yep. And then the women were trained to be good girls. So they take care of them. Exactly. Yep. Wow. 
Okay. Let's it's basically a big hot mess. It's a big hot mess. It's a big <laughs> totally. hot mess. And I just want to say here also for anyone who's listening, if you are like, oh my God, this is my thing. I need to go read something like right now. There's two amazing resources. You should just go on Amazon right now and get, you should start reading bell hooks. You should read all about love. You should read communion. These books will change your mind and you're open all the eyes around how patriarchy and relationship work. And you should read Terrence real who she quotes constantly. Um, you should read, how do I get through to you? And I don't want to talk about it. Okay. So, so these four books are like, you're going to, who you'll be before and after reading these books will be completely different. It's all the information you wished school would have taught you and did not. Amazing. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is I will post those books. I'll get those yeah. from you yeah. and I'll post those in uh, Robin's favorites on my Instagram. So make sure you check those. I'm going to look too. Um, okay. Let's transition into the solutions a little bit. I feel we'll like we really talked about the conditioning, the problems that we mapped it out. So one thing we didn't talk about just like quickly is yeah. how are parents who are in this dynamic, what's happening to their kids? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Right. Cause you're saying like, how are we conditioned? Well, we're yeah. talking about from the girl's point of view, but now we went around to the girl who's grown up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like people that are in this dynamic of relationship, which is a huge gradient. It's not like you're in it or you're not. There's like a huge gray scale, right? Totally. hundred percent. And that can ebb and flow in different chapters of one's relationship too, with health issues, or do you have kids or not? Someone's out of work or not. You move or not. It's like things can change, right? Yeah. We often will end up playing the other role at times, surprisingly. Yeah. But when you're in some level of this, if you have kids, that's what you're bringing them into. Yeah. And you can't help it because you can't teach beyond where you're at. Yeah. You know, so you're just conditioning them by modeling. Exactly. So let's start with steps we can take to get free from the good girl conditioning and how getting free benefits us and future generations. Sometimes I think when there's something in our life that desperately needs to change, it's like, it will nag at us. It's like, Mm -hmm. we don't know that we don't know. And then it's nagging at us. Yeah. And then we're just like, holy shit, I got to change that. You know, Mm -hmm. something, there's usually some precipitating incident that's like now, you know, like enough, enough with sort of trying this idea on like, yeah, like for you, like go to therapy, which I do too, you know, get the book take the workshop, start following these people on Instagram. You need to start journaling, do the journaling exercises, at the end of the chapters of the book. Like there's some part of you that's like, <gasps> right. <clears throat> I need to change. And I, I don't you can't think ignore we, it. <clears throat> you can't ignore it. And so, you know, any of you that are somewhere on that spectrum of like, this is annoying me, but I don't know what to do. Listen before, you know, the fire <laughs> underneath your tush gets too hot. <laughs> because the <laughs> situations that happen to motivate you can get really intense. They certainly did for me. Totally. So one, you know, but being sick of it and being pissed off by it, which I was, doesn't get you free. Yes. Learning about it gets you free. And I don't know how I got an undergraduate in psychology and never heard the word patriarchy. I did wow. not know that word until my thirties. I didn't either, but you studied psychology and you never heard that. No, 
No. Wow. And if I did, it was said in such a non-impressionable way. Yeah. It never went in. Wow. I worked in a battered women's shelter. I worked yeah. with so many different kind of mental health, social work jobs in my early twenties that were all direct impacts of people being part of patriarchy. Never yep. mentioned. Huh? Like the word wasn't part of the zeitgeist. I feel like yeah. at that time, or at least not in the world I was in, you know, yeah. of course it was books are being published. They just, I somehow wasn't getting introduced to it at that time. I'm surprised too, in the batter, uh, battered women shelter, it wasn't mentioned. Maybe it was, but again, yeah. somehow I just did not So it wasn't until my thirties where I learned about it. And I think the first thing that you really can do to get free is you need to educate yourself. Yes. So read, like reading those books, the, you know, a few that I mentioned and that will be in the favorites, like it changed my world because it's everything you wished your mom would have taught you. It's everything Mm -hmm. you wish she would have embodied and would have been able to tell you. Yeah. You know, you know, women who run with the wolves is another one of just the women Bible books. It's just so amazing. The information. And it's kind of like the information that got lost along the generations. Yeah. There was once a period of time before women, the lines were broken that women had that information commonly. Yeah. That's the information that got taken from us that we need back. So information does a lot to just like take the blinders off. So you can see yourself in your own life with more clarity. Yeah. So educate yourself. Number one step, number one step. And number two, I think is get help. I don't think we can do this alone. I don't think we're meant to do this alone. You know, and what get help looks like can be completely different. I have clients who love to go to like 12 step meetings. They love Al-Anon or um, CODA meetings. You know, they love the codependent anonymous, right? I did a lot of Al-Anon. Yeah right? You learn a lot about boundaries, self-advocacy, self-prioritization, what is healthy and not healthy behavior. It's useful, right? People like that, you're like, no, no one-on-one guys, whether it's coaching or therapy, whatever's where you find someone where you're like, I know that they have this information. They're holding an anchor for me as I evolve into this person. I know that I am, but I didn't get the tools to become yet. Yeah. That's great. Women's groups you know, like whatever the right resources are for you, like your intuition, I think will tell you, but like get support. We're not meant to do this alone. Yeah. Women's groups sound amazing. Yeah. Are there specific kinds of women's group people can Google? I think there's so many out there. I think it's just a matter of like what each person is drawn to do and where you live and or do you want online? Do you want in person? Yeah. It's more educational format. It's more processing. Is it skill building? Like, what do you need? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Also just like podcasts, this one. <laughs> um, so this is part, yeah. That, I put that as part of education for sure. Yeah. yeah. Workshops could be a little bit of education and support if they're interactive. Yep. yep. I love this. Okay. Yep. So step one, education to get support. Support. Because what's going to happen is your sense of self and your and thus your whole life is going to change. Yeah. You need to have need support. people to hold you through that. I if you agree. Knew, if, if you knew how to hold yourself through radical change, you would have done it already. Yes. You know? No, it's just having someone say that was a good decision. My, yep. my therapist, I love her at the end of every session. She's always like, Bridget, you did that. Like, she's so proud of me. And I was like, I did that. 
that, I'll be like cheering, you know, like that was really hard what you did and you did that. But, um, I think, I think it's nice to have someone just sort of saying back to you, um, that you, you know, you might, you might've done it and still kind of like going back and forth, like, was that okay that I did that? And them affirming, like, that was good. Yeah. That was a very self-loving, yeah. Yeah. Self-honoring, self-loving thing to do. And then would you say, oh, go ahead. I was going to say reparents, you know, imagine if you had needed to really stand up to your parents and be like, I don't think that's good parenting you guys are doing right now. Yeah. For them to be like, I'm really glad you said that. Like, we're going to take that in and them to follow up the next day and be like, Hey, that was big. We're really glad you said that. Here's what we're thinking about how to improve. Like, would this work better for you? That's really cute to teach your kids. Right. It is. Right. right? So just if, you know, maybe you are parenting well, but to give them that option, like you can say this to us and it's a opportunity that we will all come together and have a conversation. Right. But like how many kids grew up with that? Yeah. Let's move, change that moving forward thus far. It's not super common. So I think part of what you get when you work with someone one-on-one is a lot of that kind of witnessing, validating, encouraging message that makes you feel like, Hey, I can advocate for myself. I can take up more space. It's okay for me to put myself as the priority, you know? Yep. It's very healing. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're doing, girl. You are, you're helping us. Okay. So what are some challenges you see? So you gave us the steps, but so, you know, maybe the women that are coming to work with you one-on-one, what are some of the challenges you see that they have when they're trying to break free of this conditioning? They're really, really scared of losing people. Uh, Yes. Because obviously just natural attachment, but specifically because girls have been taught that their sense of security even their identity comes from having other people like that their identity exists outside of themselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Like it's not in you, maybe a little to some degree, but having this person in your life is how you know who you are. Yeah. It's so intense how this is taught to us, right? It's their, their presence, even if it's not healthy, their presence is stabilizing. It's a source of security. It might even be how you know who you are right? And to challenge that, which could just be asking for what you need, is so scary to women that they'll freeze. And so it's like building up the feeling of being held and supported and encouraged enough that someone feels ready to start making those kind of self-advocating statements you know, and then knowing, building skills that they would know what to do when someone's like, Hey, I can't meet your need or I don't want to, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's terrifying. Probably it is. Cause they're not used to saying, Oh, that they have a need. I have this need. And then now the person's saying no. And then they don't, they're not used to going like, huh, well that puts us at an impasse. Let's talk yeah. that through. They don't have any relational skills. Right. Yeah. And so part of the, part of the problem, not problem, but the challenge that women face is like, they're trying to do something bold and daring, but they're lacking both skills and encouragement to know what, how to do that in a way that works for them. 
Yeah. It's messy for a while. Yeah. It's messy. Yeah. Messy. And it has to go slow. Right. And there's a lot of education and skill building and practice that happens. And it's a little like going through puberty, honestly, for a while. (laughs) No, I know. I remember when I was, I feel like I started really going through that, like late twenties. I remember my therapist saying one time, um, okay, your homework is to anytime you say, well, I should do this. You change it and you ask yourself, do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. And then I had to, you know, then the next step was to say no, if I didn't want to do it. And I was like, whoa, I say I should do. Cause she's like, all you say to me all day long is, but I should do that, but I should do that for them but I should do that. And she was like, "Mm -mm, we're going to take this out of your vocabulary, but it was really messy for a few years. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said as an example is like, perfect. What's one of the challenges is women actually considering themselves in their own lives. Yeah. So unaccustomed to we're trained that almost like we're supporting cast members in our own lives and other people are what matters. Yeah. So to even I saw like, that well, you posted that you, or you had a video about that yesterday. And I was like, whoa, yeah. supporting cast members. Right. So for you to say, Hey, well, what do I want? Do I even want that? Yes or no. That's that there is huge. Yeah. And Can we yeah. break down for a second? So you said that it's hard for us to I guess say no, because is it because we're looking for their validation? Is it like you said that we only have like a little bit almost of us inside of us and the rest is sort of like in these relationships. Mm -hmm. Is that because we're not validating ourselves and this person's validating us and this person's validating us? Is that kind of, do I have that correct? Well, I do think so, but I think that was the template that got set up. Yeah. You know, that, you know, for psychological jargon, girls aren't taught to be differentiated, Mm. i.e. your own self separate from others and being loved and valued for being true to yourself. You know, to be differentiated is to, as I think about it, is to stay true to your own needs and goals and feelings and values in the Mm. face of other people that you do not leave yourself. Yeah. So we're not having that model to us necessarily our parents aren't necessarily doing that and then we're not being encouraged to do that on our own so being standing not i'm not not saying to stand alone i'm saying to stand with yourself it's a different thing right Mm -hmm. to stand with yourself without managing outcomes is like not what girls are taught that's the fruit of doing this work is the ability to do that. that but that's like a whole body of work to be able to do that. Yes. God, that being sense? true to yourself without managing the outcomes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what are some ways that we can help? I mean, I have a seven-year-old daughter. Do you have any tips on, I mean, it sounds like how we model our relationship, mm-hmm. but do you have any advice there? on how not to raise a good girl? Well, funny you should ask. I asked my Instagram followers yesterday and they had a yes. lot of suggestions. <clears throat> Love it. 
one of the biggest ones that people said was to be allowed to be angry and Uh. to have their parents model, particularly their moms model, healthy anger, not venting and nagging or like suppressing things and exploding. Not that clear expressions of anger that create effective change. Yes. I love that. that. And then conversely, when girls are mad for parents to be self-reflective enough to kind of hold space for it. And like, Hey, is my kid just going through something or are they giving me feedback about my parenting that I should actually take a little more seriously here? I like that. But without silencing them, like letting it be, you know, being containing enough that things don't get too escalated, but like, yeah, kind of like hmm, silencing them. Isn't what's going to fix this possibly. Maybe there's skill building. Maybe there's better listening and validation, but also maybe there's some things for us to learn here. Yeah. That's huge for girls. Right. Yep. Um, and letting them thing, have their voice, I guess. Right. Their voice and, and their, their feelings and their boundaries. Yep. Yep. Right. Their own boundaries. Their yes. own boundaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which is tricky because like as a parent, you're like, Hmm, I am sort of trying to guide you here, but there has to be a consent also, you know? Yes. Yep. The delicate balance. Yep. That's why parenting is no easy job. <laughs> no. I think there's a couple other things I'd say, which is um, not indoctrinating girls into being domestic servants. Mm-hmm. That was really okay. big. A lot of people said that, like I was really for being helpful. It's always like help with the cooking and help clean and set the table. table yeah. and like, sure. You want to help and all that, but what, what other skills and things can get developed too? You know? Yeah. You know, and then why is, why did you just assume that mom is doing all that? Also, yeah. why is, and many people were like, I was always doing this. My brother was just watching TV. Why is it, there's nothing about housework and being encoded into like feminine biology. Like, why is that happening? And so yeah. much more equality and mindfulness about how that there's, you know, kids of different genders, that there's mindfulness about how roles are being given. Yep. And permission for that. things like why would boys be able to stay out and girls not? Yes. It's not, totally. it's not okay. girls notice this stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I heard a lot of people say was do not make me wear dresses and keep my hair long. If I don't like, do not make me dress up like a doll. Like yep. let me experiment with how I want to look totally, whatever that is, whether I want to be a queen one day and the next day wear like biker shorts, like fine. Just like, let me just experiment. Don't put this like little girl on a cake kind of thing on me. Yep. Put the bows in their head. Yep. Um, I interviewed, um, Lexi kite from beauty redefine mm-hmm. we talked a lot about like dressing the girls up in almost like ornaments. And yes. she really talks about prioritizing comforts and how you can move in your clothes over how they look. And so I do that a lot with Scarlett now. She'll even be like, is this cute? And I'm like, it looks cute, but like, can you do your cartwheels in it? Can you do the monkey bars? Like, can it be comfortable all through the day? And then she like does her little stretches. She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, then you're good. Yes. It's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Those were some like really like the repeated themes I heard. And from my own life, let's say if those three things had happened more, yeah, 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 like I would have felt a lot less burdened. And I think most girls would. Yeah. I have to say in our household, 
it was, it was pretty even the, Mm -hmm. the rules. I mean, my mom was sick, so she was home with multiple sclerosis. So my dad did do a lot of the work, but I had an older brother and my twin brother and they really helped. Mm -hmm. I mean, there would be even times where my twin brother would be like, why isn't Bridget cleaning the table? Cause I would like sneak <laughs> off or something. And I have to say, like, I see that in my marriage now. Like my husband's very helpful. I mean, my, my friends often say like, if we could clone your husband, wouldn't have so much like patriarchy in our world, you know, but, um, cause but what he really a good example because help. you grew up with that model that for you, that became what you would attract. That's how it works. Yes. That's what I, that's what I just put together. I was Mm -hmm. like, that's interesting. It's not coincidental. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for my beyond beauty round? I am. Okay. So I, I usually start my episodes out with this question, but I changed it up. So I want to know how you would define beauty. I feel like beauty in people it's when I can see someone's light. Oh yeah. You know, you know the other side of my work is as a photographer and women often feel like they need to do all this stuff to look, you know, photo ready. And like, yeah, they don't yeah. like very little or no makeup, not really trying to do anything, just letting their light come through. Yeah. It's amazing. But that's true yeah. all the time. And if people are really into ornamentation and self-expression, great. And if they're not great, it's irrelevant. There's some like natural quality quality of just seeing someone. Yeah. To me is really where, what I find beautiful. So where do you think that light comes from within us? I mean, I think it's, I think it's each person's essence. Yeah. It sounds kind of woo, but life is spiritual also. You know, we're having deeper experience as well. And I think there's like a it's like someone's gift and just who they are, like their deep, deep down their yeah. spirit, it comes through. Yeah. And I think the people that are, um, you know, not maybe bogged down with things in their life that can like shine through a little bit, a little bit better and you can really see them. Right. I think so. I mean, I think conditioning, which is largely also trauma, it's almost like a mummy wrapping you know, and it yeah. like wraps around us, but even yeah. still it's not complete. And there's places where it doesn't touch and the light does come through. Yeah. Right? And so much of doing our work is like taking this thing off of ourselves. And I think more yeah. and more of who we genuinely are can come through. I love that. That's a good, a good, um, visual. Okay. Favorite health ritual, mental health, sorry. Favorite mental health ritual. Well, one, going to a weekly counseling session, really helpful. Yep. I just don't know how people do it without, like, I think it's just so much. I love feeling even more supported than less, you know? Yeah. Yep. Same. And honestly, the most mentally healthy thing I have done and continue to do for myself is to not allow people to bring their instability into my life. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Being able to create and hold stability for myself has been the most calming thing for my nervous system and mind. And I have, you know, everyone has standards about what 
they'll allow in their life. And it took me a very long time to learn that stability and security and maturity are cornerstones for me. And that's so cool. I love that. I always say that um, when my relationships are consistent, I feel the best. I feel like that's what you're talking about. It is right. So when someone comes in and they're push pull, or they say something, they don't follow through and they're like, and they're in chaos and they're not being responsible for taking care of themselves and they're dumping. It's like, I love you and don't bring your muddy shoes in my house. Like totally you need to take care of yourself to an extent. And if you need something from me, that's fine, but you need to ask for that. You the know, there's a way of creating stability that just, I didn't grow up with it and I've had to work hard to create it. And now that I have, I'm very like a queen in her castle. That's like, love it with a moat around it. Like, okay, we'll see, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, are you a Scorpio? <laughs> no, I'm a Taurus. Oh, I thought we had that conversation because <laughs> Scorpios are very like, we, we need like a consistent, like loyal, deep, you know? Um, I think my rising is Taurus though. Anyways, we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. But really for mental health, nothing has been better. And anytime my, you know, anxiety or mental health is off, it's almost always because someone has been behaving in an unstable manner in my life. Yeah. And I'm having to figure out what to do to then stabilize that. Interesting. You know, to, to hold the boundary so that they can be who they want to be, but it's not impacting me. And do you find that with girlfriends, boyfriends, family members, like anybody, anyone, Yeah, you're a human, you qualify for this. I'm so glad you said this because (laughs) this is like very important for me. Yeah. It's really important for all of us. Like women are not raised to have standards about what we will allow in our lives and then require that people meet those standards. Like no pressure. You don't have to be someone you're not, but if you, you, if you want to come close to me, like this requirement must be met and not for a a moment, like this just has to be your baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can think your standards are too high. You're asking too much. Well, we were always taught that they are. Yeah. We were taught that requiring respect and healthy, consistent behavior is asking for too much. And it probably was of the people we were around. Yep. But it's not asking for too much anymore. Nope. No way. Mm-hmm. We are queens in our castle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something you are inspired by right now. I feel like what's inspiring me right now is a couple of things. One is, I mean, in my personal life, it's like peacefulness. Mm-hmm. When I was in my twenties, I wanted excitement all the time everything exciting all the time. And that's fun sometimes, but as I've gotten older, I really appreciate peace and spaciousness, yeah, rest and stability. Um, in my professional life, what is inspiring me is this vision that I see actualized in my clients and in my own life of women getting free. Yes. And further, I'm excited about men getting free too. It's just, that's not the scope of my work. But for all of us to feel more freedom, to be who we are and to experiment with what that is and discover, it really motivates me. You know, I do feel a very strong call and it ebbs and flows at different times as I'm learning things, but like, I really feel inspired about it. And and the fruit of the work is tangible, you know, yes, you can see it. I mean, you can tell you're passionate about it. 
And I think that's why your message comes through so well. I mean, I'm very drawn to all your posts, which you probably can tell because I also <laughs> stalked you. Um, but yeah, you can tell that you have a passion and almost going back to the very beginning of our conversation, like almost something that was maybe like, I don't know, a calling or something. Mm-hmm. That's it does. Really it cool. feels like an ordination. And in my whole life, like every chapter of it at the time, I was like, oh, is this either so hard or I have no idea how this is ever going to lead to anything or I guess that's one of the cool things about getting older is you can see these things all like weave together that they were all important learning experiences, even if they weren't easy. And it's like, Oh yes. So now I'm the age where the thing, when people are like, what are you going to do when you grow up? It's like, there wasn't a word for this then. I know. Yeah. Um, it's this. And all these things were part of the education. Yep. I feel the yeah. same way with my project. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Okay. Um, is there anyone you follow on Instagram or anywhere, TikTok that you learn from daily? Yes. Blogs. Yes. I got the resource for all of you, which is um, the relationship school podcast, which is hosted by Jason Gaddis. I have learned more through that podcast about healthy relating and secure relating than anywhere. He's so consistent. He's been post, you know, putting out podcasts for years every week. And so there's this huge vault of information and then sometimes it's just him, but sometimes he's interviewing people. So you just learn all this stuff. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put great. that in the, in the mm-hmm. information too. Um, okay. Last question. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something mm-hmm. maybe about not being a good girl or whatever you want to tell her, what would you tell her? I would tell her you're not wrong for being angry. Mm go to therapy as soon as possible and learn about feminism and patriarchy. It will give you the language to help you understand your whole experience. But until you learn those words, it like, you won't have, you won't be able to express what's been frustrating you. Yeah. Like you won't these, have the knowledge. these words will like make everything make sense and give you what you need to be able to unpack this. Yes. Yes. And she was looking, she went to the women's studies classes. She got to the battered women's shelter, but somehow the information was not there. It wasn't the time yet or something, but if I could go back, I'd really sit her down and be like, read this book, look up these words, spell hooks, read it now, you know, yeah. Yeah, Look up these words. Yep. I love that. So thank you so much. This was such an amazing conversation. Um, if you want to follow along with you, tell everyone where they can find you. Okay. The best place to follow along where I post a bunch of memes and videos and my thoughts on all of this is Instagram. And my handle is love Robin Clark. Love it. Hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I will you're so welcome. See- this is really a pleasure. Thanks for stalking me. Yes. Any, me to do this podcast with you anytime. Um, thank you. And I will see you guys soon. Thank you for joining another beyond beauty project conversation. Let's continue to support each other with kindness, empowered voices, and self-love. Visit us at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And listen, Bridget would love to hear from you. Don't be shy. So send us a DM or an email with your thoughts and what you want to hear about. See you beauties next time.
This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own health care provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your health care provider or call 911 immediately.